0: Welcome to Old Taku No Radio, episode 9. Uh, my name is Jared, and I am joined, as always, by my my dear friend and noble co-host, uh, Ink. Say hello, Ink. Uh, Ink. Ink. Oh, hey. What's up? Hi, Ink. We're doing a show. Oh.
1: <laughs> but but I haven't finished my book yet.
0: Ugh. <sighs> We are here to discuss the uh, 2001 OVA Read or Die, which is also known as ROD. Uh, and, uh, Inc, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what Read or Die is about? Well, Jared,
1: according to ANN, Read or Die is about Yomiko Reedman, who is the paypot a secret underground operative for the British library with the incredible power of complete control over paper, including the ability to make it solid as steel. She is called to duty when a book that could spell the end of the world is stolen and she must take it back going with two other operatives. She attempts to take it back and save the
0: world. Yeah. So um, this, you know, until we reviewed this and I think this is the first time this has happened in our show's um short history is this is this is something i saw when i was a young weeb back when they were didn't call us weebs yet like we were just young anime people i don't know
1: we thought animation was cool
0: (laughs) yeah just back in those days and um you know i remembered this ova from back then and i remember at the time thinking god this is so cool like what a neat kind of concept, and what like what a neat power the the main character has, and so it was really interesting to get into this again uh, with uh, several <clears throat> more years under my belt and uh, to to approach it in a in from a different place in my life, and uh, I still remember thinking, oh my god, the superpower that she's got, pa- this paper kinesis or whatever, it's really great. Um, I love it, but but I really completely missed the just like dark evil like dystopian fucking overtones this this world that she lives in and exists in has oh my god it's so
1: bloody i did not remember how bloody bloody it was
0: (laughs) yeah this is like this is like old 80s anime bloody like it's it's about that bad to
1: a point Uh, i mean there there are certain scenes but like overall it's just a lot of fun yeah, but when it wants to get dark, it will. It, it has no restraints on how it brings out the gore.
0: Yeah, and and I didn't really, I didn't really fully appreciate it at the time because you know I was just like, wow, you know this is cool and this paper power is cool and hey that girl that goes through walls with the boobs she's really cool and like, but but looking at it now like yeah like they have like all this like, dark kind of like eugenics kind of thing going on there's like this sort of eugenics kind of theme running through where like people are you know well i guess we want to like maybe hold off on getting too spoilery but yet but you know it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty bleak place like there's there's all kinds of like chaotic stuff going on and um you know there's not really any scenes where people are happy or at peace it's pretty much action scene to action scene to action scene with very little kind of downtime in between
1: well hold on there's that first like five whole minutes where the titular character uh or not titular uh although she is very titular um <laughs> yeah the main <laughs> character yomiko Rimun, uh, is just you know happy-go-lucky going on a book buying spree as part of oh, her yeah. like morning routine <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which will which is what will endow most of the viewers to this character just because mm. she's like in love with books to the point where she spends her entire salary plus some on credits, <laughs> while yeah. visiting her local bookstore, which has a framed picture of her saying "our most valued customer." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay, so you do you do have that, um, and and it starts off like, hey, this is this is kind of sweet. She's she's a bookworm and she's adorable and she's got big glasses and that's great and um, big glasses and quotes. Well, I mean, no, she really, I mean, her glasses are quite large. She has to, like, take both hands to adjust them, like, when she adjusts them. Um, Double entendre. (laughs) um, Her love affair with books, like, goes into this, like, really, really obsessive kind of level.
1: It does, and that's kind of what brings the plot into it, which is what I love, is how fluid the, the, the plot is oh yeah she's just a bookworm she wants to buy all the books that she's interested in she comes in uh, comes into this one rare tome that's uh, what uh, a score of Beethoven's yeah uh, Immortal Beloved and Mm -hmm. uh, she she lays a hand on it before this other person and she wants it really bad so she gets it and she she walks away just kind of uh, kind of (laughs) haughtily. it's like I got it you can't get it whatever and that leads into the whole thing because that book is the book that's destined to doom the world, and is wanted not only by her own organization but the the enemy organization as well.
0: Yeah, it's um, it's it's pretty, you know, like the the plot of this the plot of this show, like let like like I don't want to oversell the plot of this show, nor should <laughs> because you. because the plot the plot has has holes you could you could drive a a submarine through um, or a, a very large truck I guess you would swim the submarine through it I don't know I'm gonna have another beer um, but <laughs> you know it's um, structurally speaking not the strongest plot in the world this is definitely something you kick back you get your you know pop secret yeah you, you, you get your bowl you, you pour the pop secret in the bowl you sit down you start eating and you just watch it because it's 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 got Visually it's got some interesting ideas. Um there's a lot of cool visuals, you know, it's got a really great spy movie kind of vibe to it and and I feel like uh the original creator, you know, I don't know how much say they had in this, but it it feels like it has this sort of the old British spy movie the event or not movie but uh TV series it was made into a movie the Avengers. You know it has that kind of vibe to it this James Bondish kind of super spy vibe, but people have superpowers, which I'm going to call them superpowers because they have no... There's no explanation for why people are able to do all these things they're able to do, all the different characters that have powers.
1: I kind of love that, because like, just the fact that it's magic realism in the middle of nowhere, it's, it's yeah. not explained, it's just used, and I love the series for not explaining it.
0: Yeah, their reason is because reasons, and that's perfectly fine for a show like this. I mean, y- you don't have to have... You know, a detailed analysis of of all of the things and how all they how they all work. I think Jared, that's something. That, this yeah. is
1: old Taku no Radio. We have to have detailed analysis of
0: why everything works. There's no analysis to do except <laughs> you know she's cute. She makes paper katanas. I mean shit. I mean that's that's it. Like there, there's the analysis.
1: Well, I, I actually loved your term uh, "paper kinesis" before. I really love that. Uh, and to to qualify your statement, there's actually. Um, I don't know if you own the the DVD for this.
0: I actually do, and that's really crazy. Yeah. I still have that old, old, old DVD of this of this uh, of the show from Manga Entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. That I had to scramble to find. I was like, oh my god, where is where is that DVD? I haven't seen that in a decade. And there is on
1: that DVD a, an interview done obviously by an amateur at a, a convention interviewing the staff of Read or Die. Because uh, I, I recognized my my own questions to these people, <laughs> but uh, the screenwriter at one point says, uh, and he he was responsible for the original script. He is the one who developed this. He said it was not intended to be anything deep, just something to enjoy, like American action films. And he wanted to uh, avoid being centered around a theme.
0: And if you if you look at this this three episode OVA, uh, there are story beats in it. That are very much American action film story beats, and it has a sensibility about it uh, that that is very much in the vein of, of a of a blockbuster kind of spy thriller movie. This is almost like anime Mission Impossible with superpowers, you know, just minus the Tom Cruise. So I think they achieved what they were out set out to do, you know, uh, especially with the action movie vibe. Hmm.
1: And I'd argue they actually achieved more there. The, there's three parts to this OVA, and uh, or three OVAs to the series.
0: Three episodes, sure. To the three OVA. episodes.
1: And Whatever. <laughs> each each one is kind of devoted to a, a very specific development. Uh, part one is uh, devoted to the main character's development, uh, just you know, establishing her as a character, her character, her motives and self. There's part two, which is more focused on team, uh, Yomiko. Uh, teams up with Nancy and the rest of the London Underground Library, or whatever it's called. The
0: British Library, Inc. God. <sighs>
1: <laughs> Details. Details. Um, and then there's the third part, which is uh, a testing of self and team by turning them against one another, which we'll talk to later. Is that spoilery? I guess that's
0: uh, Well, you know, a little I'm bit. Not, a little bit. I'm little not bit. saying who's going against who, though. Yeah, not really. Yeah, not really. Okay. I mean, it's so, a spy thing. There, there are spy things happening.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, so I, I, like the fact that they follow through on that specific structure, and I think that puts it heads and tails above a lot of other anime OA- OAVs.
0: Yeah, and 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 that part of the part of that I think is the nature of the beast because these things come out just sort of when they come out, and I guess when there's money to produce another one. Um, but you know, with OAVs, sometimes you. You have a really strong start, and then it ends up getting kind of weird towards the end, and like it doesn't make any sense, or like new creative people come in and they do something and they move it in an entirely different direction. Mega Zone Twenty Three, um, but you know, um, this actually as as a three part kind of you could you could like put it all together as a movie really, um, and it would be a little weird because it has a very kind of. Like, you know each of the three acts so to speak have a very specific focus but the coherent through line actually is is executed fairly well for what it for what it is you know
1: so why, why don't we talk to that uh, if, if you're agree in agreement that the first act is about defining Yomiko's character uh, what I oh, really, very much so. what, what I really loved is the amount of effort into not blatantly uh, having the story do so it was the story was going on, and Yomiko is a character within that story. Mm-hmm. And I think the power of that first OAV is really just having Yomiko being this character within a within a situation. And they have her be that in a number of ways. There's uh, a lot of the comedy early on. There's exaggerated goings on around her because Yomiko's a bookworm, so she always has her face in a book. So of course she's ignoring like explosions on the street on which she's standing. A bus skidding past her on its side with people screaming uh, while she's like, you know, know, nose deep in a book. Uh, Later on, she's fighting off a huge monster, uh, and she just wants to finish reading the book that she grabbed. uh, But she won't let go of the travel suitcase because it's like heavy with recently purchased books, which makes her efforts all the more substantial. Then there's uh, her use in the same scene of that, that fight, with her mastery of paper manipulation in a second-hand manner, meaning the animation, I mean, it focuses on it, but it doesn't make a big deal of it. She makes a shield uh, almost instantaneously out of paper, uh, out of paper that's surrounding her. There's uh, a good pun with the wasps used to attack her because those are obviously paper wasps. <laughs> yeah. The the planting of a ribbon like an anchor into the asphalt, and the way she cuts uh, that ribbon. Using a scissor-like motion of her fingers, these are all just so cool. <laughs> like they're yeah. they're they're effortless and they're they're animated as such.
0: The first episode sells the hell out of Yumiko's powers and and her personality, and I think it does a fantastic job um, of introducing us to her as a as a character and her as you know what she can do, and and just kind of sets expectations for the world of Read or Die in general. You know, revisiting it, it's like, man, they did a really good job on that first episode. It's really solid.
1: You say that as if the subsequent episodes aren't as much? (laughs) (laughs) You sounded like a wounded dog.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Some days I feel like a wounded dog when I watch Anime Inc. Um, (laughs) Don't we all? uh, Yeah, this... um, to me, the first the first the first volume or first episode is absolutely strongest to me. Um, it's it's a it's a wild uh, ride and uh, really great. Um, and I just I love the sort of super powered you know full throttle kind of intense anime action. I mean, this was such a Mongo entertainment kind of release. Mm. Like it, it, it was perfect for them, right? But um, yeah I, I do think the first volume is the the strongest not to say the other two are bad per se this this is just the most solidly executed the most coherent you know some great cuts uh throughout this volume wait, wait. Uh, yeah
1: for every cut they make is it a paper cut
0: oh thank you oh yeah the puns will run us over <laughs> in, in this episode boys and girls just be forewarned and don't try to read into it too much all right. So, let's let's talk about the soundtrack a little bit. H- how did you like the soundtrack?
1: Taku Iwasaki. This this is an amazing soundtrack. It, it makes the well, it's not that it makes the show, but
0: it's so it's so good.
1: It ties it all together.
0: It really does. It's it fits it fits the visuals, it fits the action so perfectly.
1: Even though, I mean, cuz this this is it's spy themed, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of action, it's a lot of Twanged electric guitar and uh, sax, and just this this cool spy vibe that's running underneath it all. It gives the ears a boat to ride on while your eyes are just absorbing all this visual stuff coming at you. And that's really the all, all you can ha- uh, hope to have in an action series.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And and you know, completely agree that the the music in this is just form fittingly perfect to the vibe and the motif. That little, um, that little opening jingle, uh, you know, at the start of each episode is like perfect, for oh. for the for the world, and uh, it, it gets you exactly in the right mindset for what you're going into, what you're what to expect, you know.
1: It's very pulpy, and the, the visuals, pulp. the visuals match that pulp to a tea. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 opening sequence totally just gets you ready, just to turn off your head, and enjoy this action, super, super silliest action thing that's going to
0: be presented to you. And that's, you know, I think that's part of what makes this sort of a uh, uh, an OAV that, that that still holds up pretty well, I think. Uh, you know, even though we're, we're 16 years on.
1: Well, there's that, and there's like stuff like code names such as Mr. Gentleman and The Paper and <laughs> Miss Deep. <laughs> yeah this this is this is nothing that's taking itself too seriously and it doesn't want you to which is great because you shouldn't in all honesty
0: yeah i mean it it, there's there is like they they could have a big sign flashing on the screen at the beginning saying please don't take this seriously but but the show does not take itself that seriously (laughs) i mean like it just doesn't like it, it and that's great um but I, I was really surprised, though, how you know the quality of the animation for its time I, – I remember thinking it was pretty good looking back back in the day. Um, I, I still feel that way. I think for, for the time uh, that this was made, I think it's a perfect kind of time capsule anime for um, that late 90s, early 2000s animation style. The characters all very much have that kind of look to them.
1: Also, the the characters are very much distinguishable. Like, yeah, if, you, yeah. if you do that silhouette test, you can you can pinpoint which characters are which.
0: Most definitely. Looking at some of the designs, like particularly the design for um, Nancy, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking back. I'm like, she reminds me of so many other types of character like her from that era. <laughs> you know,
1: which is actually funny because uh, Ishiyama. Ishiyama? Uh, Mm -hmm. also did character designs for Welcome to the NHK and Speedgrapher. And honestly, I could see it coming through more in Speedgrapher than uh, Welcome to the NHK or Welcome to the Space Show. Mm. Granted, I'd never seen the the former. But uh, Speedgrapher had a lot of really silly villains, and they were mature. They weren't like, you know, triple X mature type thing, but they were real older people with weirder physical Mm -hmm. traits um and you could you as soon as i noticed he did those designs i was like oh that makes perfect sense
0: yeah he's he himself has a pretty uh extensive background and has done a lot of different designs a lot of storyboard work
1: i like the fact that he went on to be like sort of a key animator as opposed to just a character, character designer
0: yeah he's 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 done key animation for a lot of things great designs i think very very distinctive very like you know i don't know who some of like they they picked some really random ass people from history <laughs> to, to to be like the bad guys in this in this series <laughs> like i didn't I, I don't know who half these people are um but uh they, they look really distinctive and uh, they just they have a they have a very super villain vibe like all of them do to me like like this is almost like a super spy kind of thing i mean when
1: they turn the dude who basically uh invented uh the the study of bugs into a super villain (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) that's about as drastic as you can get who molts (laughs) (laughs) yeah He molts into different versions of himself at like different stages of of like life. Yeah, you know, I mean it's it's amazing. The the German glider guy.
1: Well, then it all comes back to the the the, the staff brainstorming at the beginning of the production of the series. Uh, again, going to the the uh, interview questions on the OVA disc. Mm-hmm. Um, they the whole staff brainstormed historical figures and actually. You know, pondered how what superpowers uh, could be wrought from specific ones, and I love the fact that they did it because they're just sort of like, oh hey, who do you remember, and how
0: can we exploit this, and then just stuck it in there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really crazy. Like the the glider guy, the German glider guy, who's basically like the anime version of the vulture from Spider Man comics.
1: But, oh, my God, how awesomely is his uh, contraption designed?
0: The mechanical design is amazing. Oh, the way it yeah. moved, just all the, the joints and pins. Very bird-like, mm. but steampunky bird-like. Back in a time when steampunk shit wasn't everywhere, like, that was still kind of a novelty back then.
1: Not even, like, steampunk. It was, it was supposed to be just, like, a glider. I mean, granted, this one has, you know, propulsion on it, but, yeah. you know, the, the dude's supposed to be a famous glider designer, and... What more perfect for that than a bird? Mm-hmm. And the fact that that combines with the mechanical design, and you know, you have this, you know, paper kinesis that allows paper, uh, the paper in the same fight to construct a a, a childlike paper airplane <laughs> to yeah. go and fight against it. That that's that's bloody perfect.
0: Yeah. And the fact yeah. that they were able
1: to pull that all together into something manageable as like a really good fight scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was another great scene where Yomiko's using her paper skills, her paper kinesis, uh, in, in such a way that it's very flexible. Like, she's doing all kinds of things with paper that, like, you wouldn't think that you could do with paper, even if you could make it into some sort of tensely strong kind of material. You know, it's like really, it's really awesome. I just, I love her power. That's, my favorite thing about this entire thing is her and her power. Like, that's just, that's that's the whole thing for me. I, I think I have an established, like, like predisposition to, to anime heroines with glasses, but, like, sh- her power is, like, amazing. I just love it. It's so great. Everybody else, everybody else is kind of, you know, you could, they're all, I mean, they're, they're you've seen supervillains like that, like, the electric samurai guy. Okay, well that's like Electro. Okay, Miss Deep, she's freaking Shadow Cat, but like <laughs> supermodel, femme fatale Cat, You know, you know. I, I I don't know what the the. I mean, the monk guy is basically Son Goku as told from the fairy tales about you know Son Goku, right? The Monkey King. Um, kind of. He has a
1: more interesting backstory
0: than that. He does. He does. I'm 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 giving him really short shrift there, because he's 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 the actual historical basis for the stories about Son Goku, basically. Mm. And then the uh, the other monk guy, (laughs) uh, main monk guy. I'm trying not to spoil too much, but um, you know he's he's neat too. Um, they have really great designs. Anyway,
1: but I I I did want to say like it's funny because this was what 2000 and.
0: 2001
1: to 2002. Yeah. And if you take in, in, into consideration the progression towards paper to e-reader now, and the fact that we're obsessed with the fact that her superpower is the best because she can manipulate paper, and why mm-hmm. that speaks to us so much now, it's like, well, fuck, we're old. We love books. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We love paper in between hardcover binding yeah, and do. glue and all that shit. And you know that's why we love papers because she is a representation of all that is possible through you know physical books as opposed to e-books because you this this the series would not exist in today's society this this would not this whole story precept this you know the the turning the turning of uh, physical paper into a weapon would not exist in an yeah, e- e-reader reader world yeah so. Obviously. it's all y'all's fault <laughs> exactly you killed agent paper
0: all of you damn youngins. kids and your kindles
1: hey i own a kindle too um, i do too i love my paper white bro <laughs> yeah. but I mean, if, if you don't have a historical perspective to some point you're not going to get why paper is so cool yeah and I, it may be hipster at this point i don't know like and it's...
0: and 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 she's like elite hipster book reader anyway, because she's reading like these super like arcane in the in the like, you know, very rare and like, you know, very deep and dense and hard to understand kind of books like she's she's reading like she's reading like grown up books, right?
1: Well, sure. But OK,
0: in her, she does reach for a manga she, at one point.
1: Yeah. And, and going onto the subway, she like goes for a romance novel yeah. Uh, but yeah. like the, the the whole scene in her apartment where her apartment is a just books basically uh, I mean you can't have that many obscure hard to read books so I'm going to guess like there's a whole lot of pop in there because then this is entirely supposition because they don't provide you know translations for every single book title on every single spine no, but, no they don't but I'm, I'm going to assume she's just a reader a reader yeah. of everything
0: yeah, yeah. Like, like she calls out some pretty high level books. So I'm like, damn. All oh. right, I feel underread now. Um, <laughs> um, so Yomiko and and some of the and and the female characters in the show, I think we we see in those characters sort of uh, the the prototypes of of character types to follow uh, throughout the rest of the aughts. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Why, uh, Jared? What are you speaking to?
0: Well, you know, you have you have the um, the 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 girl who falls down like all the time, uh, and and you know, I still don't understand how that's supposed to be endearing. But but there she is. Because <laughs> um, you get to care for her. No, I just wish she would like not like like I wanted I wanted her to like by the third by the third episode. So we're talking about the the blonde. Secretary girl that helps out Joker, I guess administrative assistant. Wait, I don't know. I thought you were talking about Yomiko. I wasn't talking necessarily about you know, Yomiko Trips a lot too, and she's super adorable when she does it because she does that 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 uh, uh, kind of thing. <laughs> like, well, like, okay,
1: this this is, and I can actually justify this because they're all dressed in very long dresses and they're very restrictive. So I can yeah. imagine a short trip being detrimental to balance.
0: Yeah, like, well, and I... And Yomiko, it, it's kind of weird. Like, Yomiko, unless she's, like, full-on, like, angry, p- pretty much she's about as good of a fighter as anybody who spends most of their time in libraries would be. I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, like that's, you know, that's not, like, the highest... She didn't put... When she created her character and, and put all her points down on her character sheet, she did not put them all into, like, combat and dexterity-related skills. They're all, like... And intelligence-related skills, and you know, like knowledge-related skills. Um, but you know, she's she is capable. She is super capable. She's just not. Um, she relies on her power a lot, you know. Whereas somebody like Nancy has a power that is still pretty effective and pretty powerful, but it's not as it's not as um, utilitarian, I think, as Yomiko's. So she's got all this combat training in there, and that kind of makes it kind of different. Uh... I don't know.
1: I think they're both very utilitarian because Nancy can literally not be hurt by anything.
0: Well, yeah, but she's gotta she's gotta be ready for it. Like Yomiko True. can like make can Yomiko can make anything out of paper. But she not also only has can to she be make... ready for
1: it. She has to see it coming. <laughs>
0: You know what I've realized? We're like doing. We're getting into like those comic book store. <laughs> <like True. laughs> powers.
1: These are supposed to be really stupid, really cool power yeah. powers, and we're turning me old
0: men talking about
1: powers. Old talking to radio ladies. Although, and gentlemen. Hey, that is a theme. Like there, there totally is, is there is wieldable power, but you have to be able to see things forthcoming and be able to you know be uh, able to
0: react to them. Right. No, that's true. That's true. I, anyway to go back to the point i was making ri- originally before i got off on that that <laughs> simpson's character comic book store character guy sadtrack you you have you know proto moe uh, kind of characters in here you know, even though moe characters were kind of a thing back then you know you've you've definitely got the the femme fatale that had been around for a while but but mm. i think nancy's a fine entry into that category of of archetypical character
1: Oh, totally. I love her relationship with Yomiko.
0: Oh, it's great. It's great. I would have kind of liked to have had a Nancy spinoff where she's basically just going around kicking ass. Mm.
1: You know what I would have really enjoyed? Instead of Read or Die the TV, if they redid Read or Die, instead of Read or Dream, as like that extended story of Yomiko getting closer to Nancy, and just sort of mm. filling out that entire thing, like I would love that. To see them going on like multiple adventures together and growing closer, them and their like uh, their work life and their home life and.
0: Yeah. So are we? You think we're ready to move on to spoilers now?
1: Uh. Well, mm, mm. I want to speak to this, uh, the the Yomiko Moe a little bit because. Oh yeah
0: yeah yeah. Now go ahead.
1: She she's really only Moe when she's consumed by her love for books or Nancy because like you said she's she's a very capable fighter uh, but only when like in extreme danger otherwise when she's in her books she's totally vulnerable and this is the most broadly agreed-upon definition of Moe is you know sort of wanting to protect something and Yoniko really is Moe only when she's vulnerable and when she's vulnerable is only when she's absorbed in her books because the outside world disappears from her mm. and and later there's Nancy and she yeah. kind of gets the same thing and I think the fact that she's, she's absorbed in both speaks a lot to her attentions and the in- intentions of the series
0: yeah No, I I think that's a. I think that's a fine point. So now we can get into the spoilers. (laughs) All right, (laughs) spoiler time. Uh, Go watch this if you haven't watched it already. Because it's really good. It's really fun.
1: It's also like an hour and a half.
0: Yeah, it's an hour and a half. Um, you know, which I would I would love to get into a thorough analysis of everything, but you know, it's an hour and a half, and it's not that kind of show. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but uh let let's talk spoilers. So um Nancy uh that that is so cool uh ends up uh being kind of a spy in a turncoat in a spy show. Go figure. Double um, <laughs> yeah. Um turns out that she is also one of these clone genetic people cuz okay, apparently in this world again to return to the dystopia of it all uh, apparently in this world, there is something out there, some body or some organization out there that is just extracting DNA from all of these famous people throughout history and keeping it around so they can clone it. And the cloning technology, um, it's a bunch of hand-wavy bullshit, but um, they can clone just about anybody, in, as like from, and not just like as a child, but like as a full grown adult, like they just grow them into full grown adults. And they kind of, they kind of hint at this in the, um, opening, the opening credits when you see some of the different scenery, but that's what it is. And so all of the bad guys, uh, including, uh, our, our dear Nancy, uh, are all clones of people throughout history. So Nancy is the clone of the Matahari, who, um, in history, it was a uh, famed exotic dancer. She was a Dutch exotic dancer uh, around the time of the First World War, and she's famous for being a spy. Uh, and sort of, you know, her legend is has kind of has kind of fueled the whole idea of the femme fatale. Uh, you know, the idea of the 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 seductress who is Able to use her her wiles and her charms to, you know, manipulate men into doing the things that she wants to do. But at the same time, uh, Nancy's like competent on her own and can kick a lot of ass on her own. And has uh, basically she's Shadowcat uh, slash Kitty Pryde from the X Men. She can phase through things. The slight tweak of that though is she seems to be able to instead of just passing through things like a ghost, she can she can pass through things, but she can also sort of she can sort of like Control the the rate at which she goes through things, or like how solid she is. It's, I mean, like they don't give us a detailed explanation, right? <laughs>
1: hmm. I like to think of it at, at least based on the visual execution. She seems to have to ready herself to be able to phase through certain things. Yeah. Because whenever she starts to go through a a say a metal beam or something, you'll see her free fall, and then the animation will slow. And then she'll there'll there'll be the sound of the melding of the two, and then she'll pass yeah. through, and the animation will speed up, and it'll be a little faster. So it's sort of like her reconfiguring her own uh, anatomy in in real time uh, to accommodate this power, and then you know leaving physics as it is. But yeah. whether that's a camera trick or you know her actual power, that that's not known. And I love that because it just feels real. It gives a weight to the situation.
0: Ink, I think you gave a better description of her power than the show did. <laughs> just then. I do like to read into things. <laughs> I'm going to assume that's canon, guys, because that was probably the best explanation possible for what for what Nancy's able to do.
1: Well, it, it, it lends to actually how the, the, the series as a whole deals with it, uh, the animated action sequence, because the humor and the action both tend to hinge on anticipation and it's it's really leveraged well because those sequences make use of weight and uh that grant realism to the bodies in absurd situations so as everything's happening you're accepting this because it's depicted in such a real manner like all this is wildly unruly but yeah it's depicted so well it's like okay well yeah that happened
0: Yeah, that's that's a good point. There is a ton of anticipation um, in in the show and some like really cool like distortions, kind of squash and stretch type stuff. Like there's certain scenes where there's some really complex movement that happens. And I'm like, damn, that's really cool. Mm. Um, And I think this was this was early enough that where I think this was still like drawn. I don't know that this was like a, a digi paint type type thing it doesn't look like it to me like there there's certain scenes i don't know why this sticks out in my mind like but when like the helicopter gets blown up the the loving detail they put into that that guy getting eviscerated in that helicopter like the leather seat has like details mm. and the control panels technically accurate you know it it looks very legitimate like that's what a helicopter control panel would look like there's a lot of detail put into there and um, you know it's not, it's not the kind of thing that you see very much anymore. Um, it has that older kind of look to it. Um, but uh, it's some great animation like all throughout. some great design all throughout the rocket at the end, man. that rocket's great. Um, that well it's a base that turns into a rocket or it has a rocket at the corner of it. <laughs> Um,
1: you, you know what you focused on the rocket I focused on the strings leading to Beethoven <laughs> I, I love the the puppeteer yeah. sort of aspect that's granted that uh, yeah. because it's not these it's a statement on the, the fact that these clones of these historical figures aren't uh, inherently evil it's just the fact that they're being used for evil and the right. fact that uh, Beethoven is strung up such at the end kind of uh, speaks to that even though he is intently hammering on those keys trying to make everyone commit suicide which, <laughs> which is good fantastic old, good old
0: cyber Beethoven ladies and gentlemen an ode to joy
1: making everyone slit their throats uh, yeah. hey yeah, it's so, 2017 uh, so
0: yeah no, no, no kidding like, so to back up a bit um, that's kind of the big reveal right is that we have this a, a quote-unquote, they call it this, uh, acoustic attack. Yes. <laughs> Where they're basically, it's a suicide symphony. They're they're gonna, this rocket's gonna go up, and it's gonna it's gonna blast out Beethoven, who they've cloned and is basically like integrated into this big crazy organ that Inc. was describing earlier with the strings, and they they're gonna have this suicide symphony play all at once, and it's gonna kill a whole bunch of people. And then whoever's left over, well, then that's probably going to be only the Asian people, uh, and um, they're gonna, you know, basically wipe the earth clean of a bunch of people, and uh, that's their evil plan for taking over the world. It's such a let me tell you my plan before I kill you, Mister Bond, kind of thing. Mm. Just amazing, and that exa- and that exactly happens, by the way. <laughs> but ex- but instead, like this this main villain guy, who's apparently Nancy's boyfriend. It, it's it's even weirder because instead of telling just the heroes how they're how they're going to die so they know how to stop him, he tells basically like the entire like all of like the British Library people and the world, you know here's here's how I'm about to kill people and it's just it's such a classic like Doctor Evil type spy moment.
1: And it's great because uh, the, the, the the foils are all set up because the the person who has to ex- execute. No pun intended. The death death symphony uh, is controlled by wires. The protagonist, who has a special power that allows her to manipulate paper into any form or tensile strength she wants, or you know, sharpness, uh, is immediately set up as having a shot at these uh, strings controlling the the composer or the uh, the the pianist in this point. Um, mm-hmm. So everything's all set up where she can immediately, you know nullify all of this. But it's still so fun to watch it happen.
0: Yeah, poor Beethoven's probably the most famous of all of these clones that gets brought back or created uh, to do evil, and he goes out like just the, like the he's he's like the biggest afterthought in this whole thing. <laughs> it's like the strings get cut on the organ, and he just sort of slumps over and he's dead. <laughs> and it's like, really, is he like cyber connected to the to the organ? Is does he have no legs or something like? Like music like, is his life, man. That's it. <laughs> I, I mean, going out like an artist, I guess, man. I don't know. Um, it was really just kind of sad to see him, you know, just just kind of banging on the keys, and then he, you know, the strings are cut. Oh, he's dead. Like no, I mean, I guess I guess we were like running out of like time to really do anything with him. But I kind of regret that we didn't have, we didn't have him do something more cool. Or like classical Lloyd, where he, like, makes Gyoza and stuff, or something.
1: I mean, really, what more could you have Beethoven do than play the piano?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I know. Really. Like, he's, like he's more done. Beethoven. I don't know. Like, like I would have thought he would have put up more of a fight. But I guess he he was basically there to just jam. Like, he like I don't even know if Beethoven, like, knew anything else about the plan except I'm going to go bang on the organ, like, in the, you know, low earth orbit and and it's going to be awesome and yes some people might die but that's going to be awesome <laughs> i'm going to make that happen
1: he's there to tie everything <laughs> together because you know he wrote the book that the the initial right. thing began on and he was going to end it and it's a, you know cyclical and that's it yeah and uh, that's one of the plot holes you're <laughs> thinking of because one there's of the plot holes really no reason for him to be there at all because anyone play that symphony but you just None. wanted that extra passion that came from the original composer and
0: blah blah right. blah. <laughs> well, if you're the head of an evil, evil organization and you can clone people at will, you know why not? Speaking of which, how creepy is it that that main bad guy cloned his his girlfriend? <laughs> like that's kind of like creepy and weird.
1: Creepy and awesomely creepy <laughs> because I, I love the fact that you know nancy's main main power the fact that she can phase through everything uh, mm-hmm. is very intimate and it brings a lot yeah. to the series because there's you know not only the yuri undertones but the fact that every time something passes through her or she passes through it there's an exchange of physicality and there's mm-hmm. there's just so much Intimacy in those moments that you really feel her character and the conflicts that come with that. Because there's the initial cross of paper uh, at the British Library, and right. then later there's the comeback and crossing her uh, lover to protect paper. And every step of this is believable. And you believe it because of how much you think she feels because of how much she's phased through, in essence. And I really like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so she um, – and this is – speaking of plot holes, just the whole hand-waviness of – so we have the evil Nancy clone, and we don't know exactly when, and we're never really told exactly when. Evil Nancy clone and good Nancy clone are like, like who's in what scene and when we don't really know it's kind of just like conveniently kind of hand waved around and it's like ah just this has to happen to move the story along just 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 nod and keep 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 moving on
1: see i thought but, that was actually kind of cool
0: because eh. you
1: know, if you keep your if you keep your audience in suspense and in the dark they're forced to question
0: yeah and, and in
1: that I essence just, they become you know the protagonist they become as confused as papers uh, you know, strapped to a pole, waiting to be drowned, and not knowing who your savior is.
0: Well, that's that's very beautifully put. I still think they could have done it
1: before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, well, to, to that point specifically, Yomiko's humanity is often leveraged as a weakness during battles. Uh, and often giving up the the prized possession in favor of attending to a comrade and that speaks to her connection to Nancy as such Mm -hmm.
0: well at the end of the second episode she instead of getting the book which she could have done um, you know Nancy's taken a pretty grievous wound and she turns away from the book and goes to take care of Nancy which was a huge evolutionary step for for Yomiko um, you know who up until this point has shown A a near like pathological obsession with books, Hmm. Um, you know, for her to turn away from that and then go help her friend—that's that's that's a that's a pretty cool moment. So yeah, I mean, it it absolutely um, just—it it's one of those things where it's framed as as a weakness, I think, but it ends up being her like core strength. And it's like how they really end up prevailing is you know her ability to trust in people and 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 care about people. Because if that hadn't happened, you know, who knows what. Right. Hmm. Well, on the
1: opposite end, sort of thing. Uh, there's that whole end tension of the world, sort of being in danger, is mm. nullified immediately, like 30 minutes prior, because uh, the the British government is talking to the American government, and the American government already has this, you know, fail-safe thing of a satellite blowing up the rocket <laughs> that will. End the end of the world and end all of this before any of this uh, conflict began between <laughs> yeah. any of the main characters, and say we can just blow up this installation installation from a sat- remote satellite in space. Like right. we, can, we can just send a laser down now; it'll just kill two of your agents. That's all. Like the whole world will be saved, nothing more. And no, that doesn't happen because you know these
0: this fight has to happen. <laughs> yeah, was, or, I mean like this, like trope trope of America as, like, we'll just, you know... Use force to solve everything. Blow up everything. Yeah, uh, yeah like, I see that so much in, like, Japanese stuff. Um, like, the Shin Godzilla, you know, is, the, like, the first thing that comes off the top of my head, but, you know, um, the currently airing Kato, The Right Answer, you get a little bit of that in there. You get... I mean, like... And there's a, a host of different... Uh, there's a host of different anime where that, that comes up. That's kind of a... like. Can, can can it be someone not America, like, one time? But, I mean, honestly, like, that's probably, like, the most realistic thing, right? Yeah, I was about to say, it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially lately. Um, but, um, yeah, other, other plot holes that got on your nerves, Inc., what were they? You know, I honestly can't think of any.
1: I rolled along with this just like it wanted me to, and I, yeah. I'm kind of ashamed for myself for not thinking more out of the box but it is so entrancing that you kind of have to really really think to not observe these at least i think
0: yeah i i think that's i think that's true uh one of the strengths of this show is is its visual impact and it um or this ova is is the visual impact of it and it it, it's the kind of thing where you know you're you're usually being dazzled by neat fight scenes or goofy moe jokes and and you you don't really have time to think about well why is that the way it is you know why is the british library so badass (laughs) like number one (laughs) you know like 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 who the hell are these people we 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 really don't ever find that out um and that's okay right like they're the agency
1: they the agency here to save the world. What more do you need to know?
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah. If we're going to trust ourselves to anybody, like, it should be librarians. I'm just saying. Of course. Um, but, uh, you know. Also, Yomiko, her name, her name, I, I God bless her, I love that character, but her name gets on my damn nerves because <laughs> the name, her name, literally means read girl, read man. <laughs> like, the kanji for her name is Read. And, yeah, okay, okay, fine, read or die, she's she's a paper person, she's into books, all right, but come on, come on, like, it's, it's it's you know, I mean, it's a joke, it's supposed to be kind of, ha, 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 you know.
1: But how is that a plot thing?
0: <sighs> I think I, I drifted off of plot things and just raged about things that got <laughs> on <earth.
1: laughs> Um, It's annoying, I, I, but I, I yeah. wouldn't list that among plot things.
0: Like I, I guess, like one of my biggest my biggest things, and this is like kind of a nitpicky thing, really, is um, transitioning from different set pieces uh, throughout the different uh, episodes was kind of hand wavy in some in some spots. Um, very much, so. it, it, you know. Like it was just sort of, here's the setup, and we're going because reasons. <laughs> uh, but but again, like that's kind of the point. So maybe the lesson for me is, you know. There's, there's some things that are just, like, popcorn fun, like, laying back and, like, enjoy them and don't, like, try to, you know, figure out the world building behind every single little thing because there isn't really any and that's not the point. Um, yeah,
1: I mean, even though this is supposedly set in the real world, um, it, you know, the, the cuts between and the intentions therein are uh, totally disparate. It's, we want to shoot this here and make it look cool. And you know you should watch And enjoy and that's pretty much yeah, The well, be all and end all of it
0: I did like uh, in the second episode Where they parted the Indian Ocean Or whatever the hell that was yes. And there was like a, a, the, the lost Indian city of Atlantis Was underground Like under the water um, That's actually kind of true I, I, I kind of like that
1: In, in southern know. India there's a, there's an underground city that is actually just beneath sea level and i think a couple of years ago it was like uh near the near the town or village of Tummel. uh yeah uh, and that got exposed because sea levels were lower at that point and people were discovering some of the ruins so i could buy Mm. that like that was actually a pretty good uh, piece of investigative uh geography
0: yeah i thought it was really cool like how they, they smoothly transitioned from that town fight to, you know, we're running around the boats, so okay, we're back with the submarine. Oh, here's our next set piece is the the <laughs> underground, underwater city. Um, I thought that was like a really nice uh, transition, honestly. Mm. Um, yeah. Like and it and this is a show that when when there's action, it it moves from set piece to set piece so smoothly. It's really well done. So do we want to get to Twitter questions?
1: Right after the fact that I say that, Nancy's twenty six, so Yay! Older representation of people in anime.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Hey, Nancy's a sexy and she's twenty six, and most of yeah. the characters in this thing are like older office people or field yeah. agents.
0: Yeah. Like like we we have we have adults like throughout. Yeah. Pretty much.
1: There's no school huh. setting in this.
0: No! Zero. No! Oh, God, isn't that nice? Oh, so refreshing. We
1: only had to, like, go back 16 years to find it.
0: Yeah. 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 Back back when things didn't always happen in schools. Yeah. Uh, today, I'm sure this would start out in a school somehow. Of course. Uh, or it would start out with Yomiko actually doing her substitute teaching gig, like, uh, seeing it <laughs> just so they could get a school in there. Uh, Good call. Yeah. Ugh.
1: So before we get on to uh, Twitter questions I do want to address some of the uh, animations or the, yeah yeah oh the, good the, good the, idea yeah the, the laudable aspects of animation in the series because oh my god is it gorgeous
0: yeah yeah good catch good catch yeah I, I wanted to make sure we talked about that too so Ink, what did you what did you think about the animation in terms of just um, what grabbed you what excited you uh, throughout these three volumes the fact that
1: Everything's moving. Like there, there are a lot of crowd, uh, there are a lot of crowd shots where you know you get the standard pans where people in the background are still and you have foreground movement with the uh, the, the the characters. But in a lot of the scenes, and especially uh, one of the end scenes, the fight on the uh, the rocket platform, there are so many gears turning and people jumping. Uh, sort of platform game, like through the levels, um, that is just hypnotic in a fashion, because there's so much detail to everything, and it's so beautiful to watch. Even, even in the the the, the initial episode with the the glider and how it wraps around the paper airplane, really the movement employed with everything and how it relates to what's around it just really sells the world.
0: Yeah, no, it the fluidity of the action in this is really uh, one of its stronger points. I think um, that you've got a lot of really dynamic action scenes, particularly where you have Nancy involved. Cause she's new, usually moving through background art and like punching people hmm. or kicking people in the face or something um and that's really cool you know uh yomiko when she's having to dart around and and avoid you know gouts of fire or um you know crazy bugs or you know uh green lightning from that samurai lightning guy um you know she has a really dynamic kind of motion to her too and and so like the 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 action shots, the movement shots are really really great uh, by and large, and it has. Um, I this is weird, I guess, but like for for animation, I'm a particular fan of explosions. Like <laughs> I love to watch animated explosions, and this has some really good animated explosions. It really does. Um, it has some really solid mechanical design. Like it's kind of low key mechanical design, with the exception of the German glider dude. You know, the kid riding the beetle at the end, that's pretty cool. Um, and it's some sort of mecha beetle because it's got, like, screws coming out of it or something.
1: <laughs> it's the only which, thing that makes it
0: mecha. <laughs> which, the, Yeah, yeah, like, put two screws in something equals mecha. Surely it um, can't be organic. It has screws yeah. in it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, I don't even know how that works. Like, I I, I wish we had, like... I felt om- for that beetle.
1: I thought it was in pain. <laughs>
0: I'd, I'd be pissed if I was that beetle and I had some lags in my freaking mandibles. I'd, I'd be like, what the hell is this crap? I'm not having to hold up a TV. I've already got mandibles. What I need screws in my mandibles for? But um, I almost wish there was an omake of, of the bad guys, like, designing their evil, like, devices. <laughs> and will go, uh, insect guy, you'll get a giant beetle with some screws in it because reasons. You know, it'll make about as much sense as everything else in the show. It'll be great.
1: Well, What I liked uh, specifically, and I didn't really take note of until I watched that uh, interview on the, uh, the on the disc, was that the director the uh, the director the director was <laughs> That's all about,
0: director, ladies and gentlemen.
1: was that the director was all about presentation and camera work. He loves like long shots and actually seeing the full figure of the the characters on frame. So, you get head-to-toe shots where you you normally would get only, like, you know, uh, a bus shot. So, head and upper yeah. chest or whatever. But he would like to include the full figure in the shot, thus sort of giving a sense of space and uh, dimension to the work.
0: You know, thinking about it, there's not many tight shots of anybody besides Joker and, hmm. like, the people sitting back at the headquarters. There's not really many tight shots in the show Yeah, that I can think of.
1: And you combine that with the lack of uh, sort of a finishing move to all these characters, despite the fact that they have all the powers that they do, it's mm-hmm. not game-like. They're never finished in the same manner, which sort of leads to a localization effect. Like, this happened because of this circumstance, it's not it's not uh, sort of trademarked in a way it's just more natural it's like this is how this fight would have played out because of these circumstances it's a lot more natural it's not hokey it's not uh, finishing move
0: yeah yeah that's very true the the fights tend to be pretty brutal um, you know they they end in a in a pretty intense kind of way you know you get one get you get one guy that gets well he gets hit with a torpedo and that still didn't kill him <laughs> <laughs> but but, um, you know, there's there's always a sense of the heroes, and I like this. It, it lends a, even though you have superpowers, it lends sort of a grittiness to it, is that there's, when you have a fight, um, it always seems like the heroes are a little bit outclassed, and they're having to really kind of figure out how to deal with these guys, and, like, they have to, you know, outwit them in a lot of cases, Um and, and even as powerful as somebody like Yomiko is, she's, she's having a really struggle against, uh, you know, some of the later fights especially.
1: And I think really where that comes in is the specialities in play. You have Yomiko who can turn paper into things. Like, that's, yeah. that's a really feeble-sounding superpower. <laughs> and you have Nancy who can phase through things. Okay, great. So nothing can touch her, uh, you know, uh, given certain certain circumstances. Uh, mm-hmm. But these things versus, hey, this samurai wields lightning, or this glider guy can, like, whip up these magical contraptions that can you know, soar through the air and reap great havoc, or the Buddhist monk who has this destructive (laughs) pole that can whip through
0: entire ruins and bring them to ruin (laughs) Buddhist monk, literally a demigod (laughs) you know, it's nuts the the contrast between
1: the perceivable powers of the protagonists and the destructive capabilities of the antagonists and the the disparity between is really what makes this action so engrossing, You, you were just constantly rooting for the underdog and when part of the underdog turns on the underdog, it's just like, oh, okay, great. I want to see this play out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the fights the fights are so good. The fights are so good in this. Like that's that's really like if I'm if I'm selling why this needs to be an hour and a half of your time, crazy fights really insane interesting world building in kind of broad strokes and then a main character with like the coolest superpowers who is also super kawaii and uh and awesome so how about time for twitter questions i think it's time for twitter questions so um our first twitter question comes from patrick who's at trick the tm on twitter uh, thoughts on Reader Die TV and why it is an inferior sequel. Well, that's kind of a push question, isn't it?
1: <laughs> not tainted at all.
0: <laughs> um, I have not actually seen the Reader Die TV. <gasps> uh, I know, I know. See, here's the thing. But it has so, the best
1: soundtrack.
0: Reader Die TV came out in that strange time in my life where I was living in Japan and believe it or not, not watching a lot of anime that's um,
1: insane i don't I, believe you from this point
0: forward i i know that sounds crazy that when you're in japan like y- you don't want to watch anime all the time but but that was me like i i kind of i i, I stepped away and i i think i've talked about this on the podcasts. i stepped away from the fandom for a while and, and came back to it later so this is one of those anime that i just sort of missed and it's in that nebulous realm when i was actually living there but anyway uh how about you answer his question ink and i'll shut up
1: <laughs> well, I watched uh, Reader Die or Reader Dream the TV, um, and I think I watched it once, maybe twice. I don't know. I owned it at one point. I eBayed it off because I didn't care about it. Um, most of it was waiting to to see the paper again, and mm. how that speaks to how. How the original OAV is constructed, or who it's targeted to—that's an entirely different question. Uh, but I don't remember a heck of a lot from *Reader Die*, uh, *Reader Dream*, the TV, and uh, that kind of makes it an inferior sequel because I remembered a lot from *Reader Die*. Uh, I didn't remember specifics, but there was a, there was a lot about characters and circumstance that I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say uh, it is an inferior sequel, uh, even though the screenwriter and uh, character designer uh, came together back for it. I'm pretty sure the director did too. I'm too lazy to switch over to.
0: <laughs> Actually, certainly. I was I was looking, and yeah, that's true. Um, most of the most of the key staff from the OVA returned for the the ROD TV series. Okay. Um, I, I think the only thing I would add to that is that when you suggested this as a show to pick up and, and, and watch, I immediately remembered it. and I immediately remembered it, even though it's been probably 12, 13, 14 years since I've seen it, um, because I remembered Yomiko and I remember how much I loved her power and how awesome, awesome uh, this th- my memories of this of this OVA were So uh, you know, that's that's a long time. <laughs> To you know, almost half of my life ago at this point, uh, but I still remembered uh, the impact of this show. So, I, I, I if if the TV doesn't doesn't have that kind of staying power, I, I would not be surprised. Like
1: I, I still remember the the final couple episodes of Reader Die the uh, Reader Dream the TV, and uh, honestly, those were the ones who, that dealt with Yomiko and mm-hmm. the 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 main characters meeting up with her. I remember. Kind of liking the magical realism more in Reader Dream the TV, but I can't remember why. I can't remember any instances, but I can still remember Reader Die the TV, the paper airplane dogfight, and you know, the, just, just the, the the original sticks so much more clearer in my mind, and the the sequel sticks because they met up with the prequel, <laughs> and that's the only reason. There's really no reason. I really, if I could buy Reader Dream or Reader Die on Blu-ray, I totally would. But it was only included with the Reader uh, Reader Dream TV box set, and it had the OVA with it. And I was like, that's yeah. that's reversed.
0: <laughs> it should be
1: Reader Reader Die with the series attached.
0: <laughs> yeah, as kind of a here, here's a little bonus. Um, yeah, and and if we ever get this re-released on its own, just heads up, this is going to be stupid expensive because it was produced back in those days by uh, what was it, Sony, was it Sony Media Entertainment or whatever, mm. uh, Sony Music Entertainment Japan, SME uh, is is what it was called, but that has gone on to become something we all know and love as Aniplex. So. Mm. <laughs> Um, why must yes. you
1: keep your in april from me
0: I, I oh yeah god well there there's so many things they're keeping from us like so many um but but yeah yeah shake our fist at those folks um who we love and we want to continue to make please continue making animation because we know you listen to the show and we want to <laughs> we want to make sure that you um you 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 still uh continue to do what you do just do it for about thirty percent less uh, retail price, and we'd all be happy. Um, anyway, so moving on in the questions from Doug at Buddy Cop. Doug, hi Doug. Uh, and I love this. I'm, I'm gonna try to do it justice. <clears throat> why is the great Otto Lindenthal here for the book? Or in English, why is why is why in the hell is Otto here? Involved in this series at all, and why is he here for a book? And I think the answer to that, Doug, is because reasons. <laughs> because because this, he was
1: involved in the creation of gliders, and they used that to create some cool visuals that they could sneak into the Soviet and make it yeah. cool.
0: They, because because the the Ejen people went. Yeah, you know, I, I just imagine them looking at a yearbook of people that have existed throughout history, even though such a thing doesn't exist. I imagine them finding Odo in that yearbook and going, that guy, that's the guy we need right there.
1: <laughs> but that, that's the thing, right? Like, how did they zoom in on Odo Lienthal as <laughs> like a person to extract from history? Like, why like, not the he's... red
0: Baron or somebody?
1: Exactly. Someone like a little more powerful. No, we're going to create this glider person to like yeah. be the not the right protagonist.
0: <laughs> yeah. This, this German dude, who's basically like a, a steampunk looking vulture, um yeah I mean, okay.
1: I mean at one point it's great because it's converting something non-lethal to something lethal and I can right. get that. But at the same time it's holy stupid. <laughs> because you <laughs> yeah. have an a uh, protagonist who's non-lethal using non-lethal means. So it's like eh, a little too it's kind close. of a rolling
0: motif there's really. Eh. For the most part like most of the villains like the bug scientist guy <laughs> you know <laughs> clearly the the Lindenthal guy, uh, friggin' Beethoven, um, yo, know, the two monks, the yo know, EQ, the 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 main bad guy monk, uh, and and the the monk that's based off Son Goku has a really long name I can't remember, um, you know they're holy guys so they're not necessarily like naturally, you know, fightery types, but but True. there you go. True, I will um, give you this. Yeah, now, I mean, Nancy's based off the Matahari, which in popular lore is some sort of super spy, but, you know, historically she wasn't. Uh, she has actually kind of a tragic story, if you ask mm. me, if you go look that up. Um, but yeah, anyway, because reasons, Doug, because reasons. Um from the great and wonderful and friend of the show, Elliot Page at Elliot Page on Twitter, who just wrapped up. I'm gonna plug him real fast. A uh, really great uh, podcast about the uh, British elections that was probably gonna be very like like time related with the politics narrative. Me cannot help but recommend Off the Cliff, uh, Off the Cliff podcast. Even though it's done now, um, if you want to hear Elliot just dunk all over uh, stupid British politicians um i highly encourage you to uh go and subscribe to off the cliff podcast um even though it's it's like literally not being updated anymore it's still great just to hear elliot riff on politics
1: also elliot helped us uh with a certain review of girl who left through time so you can yeah. go back and listen to that and all his grandeur
0: yes yes and we need to have him on again we love elliot so his question is, uh, did you ever watch th- uh, the Read or Die TV series? Thoughts? How about the, the, the weird-ass manga? I can just like, imagine him saying it like that, so I'm, I'm going to pretend he did.
1: <laughs> That's a pretty good impression.
0: <laughs> um, I, I think I've answered that question already, um, but expound a little bit more on the TV series. What, what did you think about – what did it do right? What Obviously, it did plenty wrong. And, and how about the weird-ass manga? Have you have you uh, engaged that at all?
1: I have not engaged the weird-ass manga at all. Um, and I really don't remember anything specific about the Read or Die TV series, except for the fact that there were three sisters working for the agency, and all of them had the, the paper power. Uh, that's all I remember. I can't really speak to much else. It's faded from memory. It was so indistinct that it really meant nothing to me. The, the the thing that stayed in my heart
0: is Read or Die. Wow, put that on the back of a box, Antiplex. Oh my
1: god, that's why you should charge you know five hundred dollars for the
0: re-release. Yeah, that would probably pay like one copy of that would probably pay for like all of the production costs. Probably not, but anyway. Um. Well, I think that's all of the questions. Inc. You want to tell everybody where they can find you?
1: Oh, let's start with the Tweety Box. You can find me at Animated Inc. on Twitter, and, uh, let's see, various writing platforms. You can go to fandompost.com, where I have an upcoming uh, 10 years later review of Happy Machine by Masaki Iwasa. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, You can find me at anagamers.com, where I'm in the background editing other people's words and also producing columns like three episode test and also within the pages of otaku usa magazine where reviews and features about anime and a lot of other j pop culture stuff gets sent to your mailbox whether you want it or not as long as you subscribe and uh (laughs) expose you to stuff that you didn't know existed that's com, And I think that's about it. Also, I might have a feature coming up on Crunchyroll.com about the Laughing Salesman. So watch out for that.
0: Yes. Um, one thing I wanted to say about um, old, the... Uh, I almost called it Old Taku USA. But um, Otaku USA uh, is the uh, latest issue. I just got it in my uh, mailbox uh, this past week. It's got Konosuba on the cover. Uh, But one of the things that I, and I'm I'm looking forward to, I haven't had time to to dive into it yet, but one of the things I'm looking forward to is it's got 32 free pages of Flying Witch manga, which for God's sakes, like, do you need another reason to go to your newsstand and get Otaku USA uh, and then subscribe if you haven't already? Of course, Um, Inc. Reviews.
1: Inc is and, in the issues.
0: Inc is ink, the reasons
1: to su- subscribe to Otaku USA magazine. For,
0: for, for all fans of of otaku radio, that's epic. <laughs>
1: um, but, but no, it, seriously, as, that that manga is definitely worth reading.
0: Yes, yes. I mean, like, if you're gonna if you're gonna like lure me to read something, you're, you're flying witch, man. Like, like always. But I read I read Otaku USA anyway, and I love it. Um, as for where you can find me, uh, right now, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm busy uh, in the in the real world, uh, not cyberspace, the meat space, quite a lot uh, lately. But um, I do occasionally uh, mutter things on Twitter at Save versus Jared. Um, I um, have been a contributor to Anti Gamers, uh, mainly for three episode tests and occasionally some features. I'm looking forward to getting back into that soon. And I want to give a shout-out to uh, my, my friends over at Wave Motion Cannon. Uh, they are doing some amazing stuff. They've got a great uh, weekly podcast you guys c- should go check out. Uh, and I'm looking forward to getting back to writing with them as soon as I uh, stop doing so much stuff. that's taking me away from, uh, from anime uh, for the time being. But... Uh, Anyway, um, oh, and check out our sister podcast, the the Anti-Gamers podcast with the soft spicy boys, Evan and David, uh, which that hopefully will be in your feed already. uh, If you haven't subscribed, go do that. Soft
1: and spicy.
0: Soft and spicy. Oh, yeah. So on that note, uh, for Inc., for myself, thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, tune in next time where we will bring you another wonderful uh, serving of old Taku goodness. Thank you guys so much. (laughs) Bye-bye.
1: be the moe one with glasses oh wait. <laughs> this is i wear the glasses
0: I've seen the Dan Machi spinoff. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. Why? Because I have my boobs out. I don't know, man. Why I, I like I like the the fan service. Like the pen and paper gamer in me like some of the fan service I like some of the concepts in the in the fan service because I have my boobs out. God. Yeah, I've I've watched some real like some shit I don't know how we edit that. <laughs>
1: With skill and panache, my friend. With skill (laughs) and panache.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that, that, that bumper's gonna be hot today because I have my boobs out